You have reached Minions and Musings. Please hold. Your call is important to us. Back with another one of those block rockin' beats. Evil Jeff back behind the mic once again. The Talislanta talks continue. And as you see, this is all Jason. Uh, Jason's been trying to binge some stuff there. And we all know Jason's a busy, busy man. And as busy as he is, he still has time for umpteen million calls to everybody. So it is okay for me to dedicate an entire episode to him for the most part <laughs> anyway let's hear what jason's got to say and uh let's make some comments on it hey evil jeff this is jason i'm behind on your towels lance episodes i've listened to the first two i haven't listened to the appendices or your first calling episode yet i'm sorry i was waiting for you to get all the rules ones out, and then life got in the way, and I got real busy. I got all three hours sleep this morning. I got to work tonight. So, yeah. Um, I'll probably fall asleep on the way home tomorrow morning, and then during my OSE game tomorrow, so that'll be fun. The other guys on the call will be yelling at me, are you snoring? But anyhow, what I'm calling about is Talislanta. So, the universal chart thing's great, TSR was doing that back in the early 80s with Marvel superheroes, which works really well. So it's, it's good that they use that idea. Was TSR the first chart like that with Marvel superheroes? I don't know, but it's a great idea. The spells remind me a little bit of Rollmaster. Not exactly, but the idea of having the, the one spell and then having different levels of that spell and different things you can do. So like in Rollmaster, you know, you have Fire Law, and then depending what level you can cast different things. Of course, it's a little bit different because with Rollmaster, you don't... I, I don't remember now. I don't think you can cast a higher level than yourself in Rollmaster, but I think that's a really cool idea, the ability how many points you put in and you can push yourself to do a little bit higher. So I really like what you're laying out so far, to be honest. I wouldn't consider this for a martial arts game, to be honest, because I know how that worked out with Marvel and their different martial arts, and it's okay. But it's not really what I'm looking for. I'm probably definitely going with a Street Fighter RPG. Um, the old White Wolf one, just because it'll be silly fun. It'll be, work good enough. Um, but that's a discussion for another podcast. So I'll listen to your other two podcasts and get you more feedback. Yeah, we, we don't need you falling asleep as you're driving or anything there. So, man, you, you need to be careful. Alright, so several things in those two messages. Uh, action chart. Uh, yeah, I guess it is similar to Marvel Supers. They're pretty good. Um, but on your last point, talk about martial arts. I, what I was trying to get at was saying, let's take the action chart from Talislanta and riff off of that to make an action chart for your martial arts game. You know, that, that same idea, having different levels of success within there. Um, though, if I was going to do martial arts stuff, it, it probably, I'd have to have some opposed roles somewhere, maybe. I don't know. It's kind of hard to really think about how I'd want to do it. Uh, I don't know enough about 
the Street Fighter one to make a comment on it, so I won't. Uh, as for the magic, you know, the more I think about the magic, the more I like the system that is presented there. You know, I guess DCC does it as well. But the fact that you've got a base stat or a base effect, and depending upon how much power you put into it, changes that effect. You know, D&D doesn't allow us to do that, but D&D is a very structured magic system. For more sword and sorcery feel, being able to put more power into it is a nice feel, especially the more power you put into it, the riskier it gets and could, you know, come back and haunt you. So, it's a, it's a nice feel. Um, as for comparing it to Rollmaster, um, you know, I, I would look it up, but, yeah. Anyway. Uh, you got something else to say uh, about shields. Uh, let me see what that is. Hey, Jason here. Still enjoying the Talzanta review. And I really like the way you described the way that they did shields there. And you could even import that into other games, whether it's D&D, where maybe instead of giving a minus to your armor class, they give you X amount of damage reduction or whatever. But that's an interesting idea, and I like that. So, yeah, but only up to X amount, right? So once they absorb X amount of damage, then the shield's no good anymore. And depending what kind of shield that is, that can be pretty, you know, somewhat realistic and still make them a useful buy for people, but still explain why you might have to go through multiple shields throughout your adventuring career. So, anyhow, just thought, take it easy, talk to you soon. All right, let's make a correction on that. In Talislanta, the shield has a damage amount that it can absorb in one blow. If it absorbs that amount or more in one blow, it's gone. The shield is useless. So it's not a total sum of all of the damage. Now, I went back and, and read it, and that's the way it reads. Now, they could have corrected that or adjusted it in, in later editions. We'll find out as we get there. But this means that your shield is going to work. Now, remember, the shield is a parry, so it only deflects one attack. That's all you can use it for. So, if you're getting attacked by two or three things, you can choose to have the shield block one of those attacks and take all the damage from it. But you cannot do multiple ones, unlike in D&D and so forth, that shield is part of your armor class, helping make it, it tougher for you to be damaged. So, a you know, little different feel in there. But yeah, it, that that number is the amount of damage it can take from one blow before it is sundered, I guess, really. But yeah, it's not a collective amount of damage. It's that total amount or more in one blow. It protects from that. Hey, well, Jeff, listen to your latest Tiles Lant to Deep Dive and really enjoyed it. I think your um, comparison to Barsoom, John Carter Mars, is, is very sensible in, in a number of ways. So trying to run a Barsoom game is all just Martians would be tough because you need to know all the societies, you need to learn all this stuff, do all this homework. And that's where John Carter comes in 
because John Carter is our gateway character, right? We, we can see Barsoom through John Carter's eyes and learn their cultures and learn the rules through his eyes. I so I think this is also something that Tecumel or Empire of the Petal Throne has done really well because you start as barbarians at the gates or at, at the port as it is and learn the culture as you adventure. Yeah, good call there. Uh, that is definitely highly similar. You know, John Carter Mars, the, the Martians running things there. Uh, Tecumel, probably the same way. And Talislanta is so different. And you really need to know how things work uh, as a GM. So, yeah, definitely got to have that. Oh, wait a minute. You want to compare something else? As far as Harn goes, I think Harn is easier and harder, both, right? So I think if you really want to skew to the the world lore, maybe Harn is a little bit... I don't know. I haven't read Harn, so I won't say that. Carl, I'll have to call in. Carl's the Harn expert in my mind. But as far as just running a Harn game or playing in a Harn game as a player, I think Harn is easier because it's still human-centric. And it's still going to be based around a lot of the ideas and all we think about. Where, you, you know, Cal's Lance is so different. I, I don't know you could just plop in as a player and not know anything and feel the social contracts and how things work. Where with Harn, you know, oh, these are kind of like Normans and these are kind of like Vikings and these are pirates. and You, you know, so a lot of the tropes we could carry over pretty easily in Harn. I think that's a fair comparison. Uh, more human-centric allows it to be easier for new players to get into Harn. Uh, but with all the different types of uh, denizens of the Harn world, your uh, GM definitely has his work cut out, especially if you start introducing lots of different peoples to the player characters and everything. Um and it's also harder because, you know, you don't want, you, you want it to, well, I, I guess it really depends. Do you want to play Harn as it is Harn, or do you want to play your version of Harn? You know, there there is that. So, yeah, I, easier and harder. It depends upon what the experience is going to be, but I think, you know, stepping in, it's a little bit easier, but you still need to do some background. You can't just, with D&D, you can just step in and probably understand a number of the worlds that are there. Now, granted, there are some of those that are going to be a little tougher, and you need a little bit of a primer, but I would say with Harn, you need to have a little bit more background understanding how things work how the world works, how we talk with people, what's the extent of our knowledge or what's the extent of a character's knowledge to really be effective. Because beyond that, you start possibly metagaming. I don't know. I, I'm just kind of going off the top of my head here on that. But yeah, I'll agree with you there. All right. Well, I think that Wraps up everything. So, uh, one more call from Jason. And uh, we're heading out. See ya.
all in all, enjoying the series. Keep up the great work. Thank you for calling Minions and Musings. We hope to hear from you again.